Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Needham. The goal of this podcast is to help you become a better Amazon sellers, the smartest Amazon sellers. And I have a guest today, uh, Brandon Young from Seller Systems. He has coached many people to have successful businesses. And if, if anything, um, I've seen a little bit of his of what he's put out and like it clearly uh, is uh, very thought through and very intelligent. So very excited to have uh, Brandon here on the, the podcast. Brandon, welcome. Yeah, great to be on. Thank you, Scott. How long have you been in Amazon and do you sell yourself? Uh, tell me a little bit more about your, your background. Yeah, um, we started, my wife and I started selling on Amazon in 2015. Um, we were doing uh, wholesale liquidation. Um, my my parents had a previous uh, business in wholesale construction supplies. And so when we had learned about what FBA was, we kind of just did like a trial run. We sent a few things in and it sold right away. And we said, wow, this is pretty phenomenal. It's scalable. Yeah. And that was always my, uh, you know, my big thing. And I had some friends that had, uh, you know, uh, learned about arbitrage and, you know, maybe 2014 and they had done a million dollars in their first 12 months and <laughs> yeah. they were, they were going shopping and everything. I love, I love that, uh, entrance point into Amazon. I actually think it's one of the best just to like, you know, uh, get your toes wet, understand like FBA. I think the FBA program is just like phenomenal and the way to unlocks things for, um, you know, e-commerce entrepreneurs, um, that's how I started. We showed up at a few Black Fridays. I know that we were, you know, had a van and went to Walmart and cleaned house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even early on, like I was doing that, I would get I would get lists of potential SKUs that looked good. Uh, yeah, my friend, they would they would like share the list with me because they knew I wasn't really like a huge competitor. I was, you know, I was just like, hey, I'm gonna go shopping on Black Friday anyway. What should I grab to send a few units in? And so they would send their list and I would end up with a few cart full of like yeah. random dolls or something, I like something it. ridiculous. You know what? Um, there's still people today making that business work. Um, but, you know, uh, so many skills you can learn through that. But I think you've you've did, uh, you dived into a different part of selling on Amazon. And that really is mastery of, uh, you know, data in helping you launch products, helping you uh, scale products, turn good products into great products. Um, so uh, I, I can I can tell the audience what I've seen in your videos, <laughs> but I'd, I'd love to hear you explain it and um, and and maybe even like transition how you got into that. Yeah. Um, well, my wife, I, I it was super fortunate. Uh, my wife, who I was dating at the time when we started the business, uh, is from China. And so we had listened to some podcasts uh, from some of the guys that were very popular in the space at the time, and they were talking about private label. And I looked at her and I said, why are we not doing private label? We have such a huge advantage on the sourcing and logistics side uh, with you. And then we have an advantage over the Chinese sellers who were starting to pop up because of me, like I can do marketing and I can, I can do data. And so we decided to run to China uh, for Canton Fair in 2016, uh, and that was around April. And we launched our first private label products in June, July that year. Um, mm. And the reason being mostly because uh, you know we found bottlenecks in wholesale or in uh, arbit like arbitrage. You know, you 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 if you're not working, you're not making money basically. 
and it's tough to scale, right? Like there's yeah. limited supply. You're only as good as your last deal, um, as my friend Max used to say. And they still did a phenomenal job. They had a business that did $10 million a year doing arbitrage, but they had, oh. you know, six or eight employees, a bunch but of shoppers. Is that, is that like retail arbitrage? Yeah, retail yeah. arbitrage. But they were specializing in a few different niches, like Nike oh. shoes and stuff like that. Like they yeah. would go to the, the, the friends and family events and they oh. would just, they would buy hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pairs of shoes at every location and they would send out multiple shoppers and stuff. So they were, they had a system and they, they scaled it. And, but now they're all doing private label. They had switched to their <laughs> private label. Yeah. Um, but we landed our first product without really knowing what we were doing. We didn't know PPC. We didn't know keywords. We kind of just guessed, uh, you know, we looked at what the competitors, how they wrote their listing. And we kind of just somewhat like rewrote it a little bit in our own words. Well, there wasn't necessarily an education barrier back then. Like there may be today where like you do need to like, you know, know some things just for sure. Yeah. Even with our limited knowledge, we had some success. Right. And um, we had uh, quality control issues. We didn't know Bluetooth was a certification you needed. And we had some stuff seized. So at the end of the day, we had some of the mistakes we made cost us. Uh, we did a million dollars in revenue our first year in, in in private label, but we barely made any money. Like we we basically broke even, yeah. And you know because of the mistakes, and it was it was a learn it was an education. We were paying for our dues and and learning. Yep. And some of our biggest mistakes turned out to be some of our biggest breakthroughs in understanding how keywords work and and how to optimize listings, how to look at the data, how to choose products better, uh, things like that. Yeah. So. Um, let's see. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the, the methodology of like, you know, some, uh, you, you've dabbled in software or automation to, you know, bring to light certain, uh, you know, uh, keywords that can help a product. We learned pretty early on that there was a lot of data driving, um, information and how to make better decisions. And so this is before Helium 10 had their, their tool out and had what, what they call Cerebro, which is like a reverse ASIN tool. Yeah. Uh, you can plug in any given product and you can see all of the keywords that they're indexed for and what position they're on on each keyword. And that didn't exist. We had to use a, um, a combination of tools that we would put together into a spreadsheet. And then we were running a process of some macros on that spreadsheet ourselves. So we were using, uh, you know, uh, Seller Labs had a tool out at the time, and then we were using um, uh, a different tool in combination with that that we were putting together. And then when Cerebro came out, it was a game changer for us. Uh, we, we would take all the data from the information. So what would end up happening is, and what we figured out is that we need to figure out and answer the question, how are our competitors getting their sales? And if we can answer that question, then we can find out if they're doing a good job at it. Um, and it, it's not enough to look at one seller because one seller is only going to be as good as they are at Amazon. And they might not be very good, even though they have success, even though they're making sales. And what you find is that um, if you look at the top 10 or top 20 sellers at once and you combine all of that data, you know, seller A is getting all of their sales from 40 different keywords and seller B is getting all of their sales from 30 or 40 different keywords as well. And seller C is getting their sales from 30 different keywords. And those are not the same keywords. Oh, and so, okay. and so what you end up. It sounds yeah. like you're parallelizing Cerebro. 
Is that correct? Yeah. We download that, all 10. So we yeah. download like the top 10 sellers, for example, and we might get thousands of keywords that they're all indexed for, but indexing just means Amazon thinks it's relevant based on the yeah, way it's yeah. written. Doesn't mean it's it's truly relevant for, for driving sales or or for what you're selling. So we need to weed out all of the the white noise there, and we need to narrow down on the ones that are that are actually driving sales for each individual. Seller. How would you narrow down on that white noise? Okay, so what we do is we created a long time ago. We created a formula that we call our relevancy formula, and it's it's super simple logic. It's a count if formula that is counting the number of competitors who are ranked well per keyword, and the more competitors who are ranked well on a keyword, the more likely it is to be relevant. Okay. So you're saying that like, say there's like six competitors and um, if four or more of them are ranking on a keyword, you're like, okay, this is like the segment. Correct. And the more data you have, the more accurate it gets and the better it becomes. So we'll take those thousands and thousands of keywords, those 10 competitors, and we'll uh, basically delete most of the rows that, that we get. And then we uh, we run that count if formula and then sort by rel- like that column that we created with our own formula. We call it relevancy. We sort by that. And all of a sudden we get bang. We got a sheet that uh, is got the most relevant keywords from the top down. Mm-hmm. And, and then what you can do with that is like uh, there's a lot more you can do with that. So oh, no, no. look at <laughs> that already is like a huge unlock that I've never heard of before, to be honest. And um, I mean, also you could do like obviously SEO, but, you know. Uh, it'll it'll influence a lot of your other decisions. Yeah, of course. So here's how, here's where it gets even deeper. Now you look at each, each competitor and you say, okay, each of these keywords and you, you assign like, uh, um, you know, a threshold. So you say at least 350 or 500 uh, searches a month, that's enough to drive a few sales a month, uh, per keyword, you know? So, uh, what you, you'd want to like set a threshold. And you say, okay, how many keywords are at least a three relevancy and at least a 500 search volume? And then, so now you've got a, a sheer number of keywords that are rel- that are relatively uh, relevant and drive sales for the product that you're selling. And then that gives us what we call an opportunity score. And then if we don't want to sell a product that has low opportunity, it doesn't have a lot of keywords that drive sales for it. And our logic behind that is that uh, anyone that doesn't know how to do what we know how to do can guess and find the keywords and compete with us. And we want to find Blue Ocean. We want to find uh, products that have a lot of keywords that in, in a lot of different routes, a lot of different ways people call it that drive sales because we are good at finding that data and ranking for it. And most of the competitors are not going to find all of them. They're, they're going to come in and guess and be bad at Amazon like most sellers are and just optimize for a few of those, not for the vast majority of them. So here's how we assess how good a seller is. We'll then look at the, that threshold of keywords, that, that batch of keywords, that let's call it 100 keywords. Um, and so we'll look at that and we'll say, okay, of the 100 keywords with at least 500 search volume and at least three relevancy, how many um, is the first, the best seller on? And let's say they're on 70% of those, okay? That's not enough. We need to look at the what percentage of the search volume they're on, because search volume is more important than just sheer number of keywords, right? Because it could be skewed to a few keywords. So you look at that seller and you say, okay, he's on 75% of the search volume that can drive sales for this product. Now, that's still pretty good at Amazon, but it's not great. It's not elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still beatable. And he's leaving a lot of meat on the bone. He's still leaving 25% of the opportunity on the table. 
And so once you run that for the top 10 sellers, you're going to find how many are very good at Amazon, how many are good at Amazon, how many are okay at Amazon, and how many are bad at Amazon. And then that gives you an idea of how much risk there is of doing that product. And uh, it basically gives us a true number uh, and a true score that we can use when deciding what products we want to Okay. So yeah, it sounds like this has like applications at different stages as applications that like, obviously an implementation of your, uh, your keywords, your SEO strategy, but you know, you can take a step back and be like, okay, what is the real competition? Like, are they, uh, is there a lot of great players or is just like maybe like one good and a few like mediocre. And that probably is kind of the opportunity, right? Like, well, we think of opportunity as sheer number of keywords, and then we think of risk as uh, an idea of how good the competition is. Okay. And you are deciding how good they are on how many of them are ranking on all of those keywords. Uh, the, mo- the highest percentage of, of uh, keywords that drive search volume of keywords that drive uh, sales for that product. <laughs> I bet you I find myself in a in a month or two listening to this podcast over again just to like be like okay yes, yes. <laughs> now like because okay th- th- there's a Here, lot. here's here's the yeah. next level of what happens next right okay so our understanding of Amazon's ranking algorithm is very extensive like we've done a lot of research and and there as well so we 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 know how their their algorithm assigns what we call ranking juice so um there are. There are several places you can put a keyword in your in your listing: title, bullets, backend, uh, description, right? And each of those places have a different multiplier for how much credit you get. Of course. But the other part of that that a lot of people don't understand is that you get more ranking juice depending on the match type to the keyword as well. So if I've got a term diaper caddy, and I want uh, to rank really well for diaper caddy, if I only put diaper caddies in my title. I'm going to get the most amount of credit for where it is in my title as one multiplier, but I'm only going to get partial credit because it's a plural match. I'm only going to get like 70% credit. Mm-hmm. Then you get even less for a phrase match and even less for a broad match. Now, the reason that this works is uh, because Amazon can't possibly wait for an event to happen for every single keyword they want you to rank for. It's a search engine with thousands of ways people can search for products. And thousands of keywords they want you to be able to rank for in some capacity. Now, they can't wait for someone to actually search for, add it to cart, maybe purchase it, browse on it in order to in order to rank your product. So what they need to do is every single time there is an action on any keyword, they need to pass that attribution of ranking, that ranking juice to thousands of other keywords. And so we understand how one action on one keyword can influence thousands of keywords and at what percentage. Uh, that's super interesting. So um, it's kind of like, you know, one keyword can influence others, right? Where like actions happen and then it increases your relevancy across keywords. Correct. So the th- the four main ranking, um, you know, levers for, um, for Amazon for ranking on a keyword for product ranking are click-through rate, conversion rate, and then relevancy, and then revenue. Okay. So if you're driving revenue through a keyword or related keyword, or um, but it still needs to be relevant. So that relevancy factor is how you build your listing and what the signals you give to Amazon early on. And then if they deem it relevant, then 
the click through rate and conversion rate drive the the further the further sales. But those pass along to all the other yeah. keywords. Each of those. So events. so help spell that out with the diaper caddies. So like um, you say that you, that's a plural uh, mm-hmm. term, and but. Ma- how is that re- relevant to like, like, then I guess the question is, is how is that plural term relevant to these, you know, I guess a singular, do you have to like put that somewhere in your. So, you know, so the way it would work is like someone, someone goes on Amazon, they want a diaper caddy and the keyword that has the most search volume and is represented in the most uh, keywords is diaper caddy as a root, right? We call it a root. It's repeated a lot. It's a phrase or a word that's repeated a lot. So we call diaper caddy uh, the most powerful root in that instance. And uh, and its own its own keyword with a lot of search volume. People just search for diaper caddy. But right. let's say a buyer comes onto Amazon and they search for felt diaper caddy. Now you're going to get credit for diaper caddy in a phrase match because diaper and caddy are together in the same order. Okay, and then that phrase match credit you're getting is just fifty percent. If okay. they had, if they if you wanted credit for felt diaper caddy, which you should probably have built into your listing, and uh, they search for felt diaper caddy, it'd be hundred percent credit because it's an exact match. Yeah. Now, if they search for diaper felt caddy for some reason and it's out of order, that's a broad match. And then you would only get like 30 percent credit towards the term diaper towards the term diaper caddy. Okay. or even felt diaper caddy. Yeah. And but um, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, this is just like um, this is, you know, fairly it's intuitive to think that. you know, keywords would like marginally be like, like, like you said, like a phrase match or a broad match. And that can, it can help you with the main term. And so then how do you implement a strategy around this? Are you suggesting that you, you go further into these long tail keywords uh, to get more relevance towards uh, the, the, the main term or um, so, yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the strategy here? Yeah. Uh, so we assign a ranking juice score to basically every single keyword and phrase. And then uh, we will we built in a tool that gives a value to your title and a value to all of your competitors titles based on how they wrote it. OK. And then it go. allows you to gamify it and understand how good of a job am I doing compared to my competitors and can I do a better yeah. job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This sounds like an, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, like an index checker, but it's like got different scoring around it. Yeah, it's more like scribbles in Helium 10, uh-huh. but with scoring. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, there it is. Very interesting. I, I mean, like, I, it sounds like you've created two new tools of your own, like two like complete like ideas that, um, that really and, it, and uh, get to how to really, I guess, gamify or 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 win or or uh, effective SEO strategy. <laughs> um, very- yeah, I appreciate it. It was it was something that was just born out of necessity because we would we were trying to understand ourselves uh, how to figure out which products to to buy. Um, or to launch, and then which products um, would have the best chance of success, and then how to optimize them. And so my wife and I have our own eight-figure Amazon private label business. So we, mm-hmm. we're, we're in a few yeah. different categories with a few different, um, you know, so we haven't sold our businesses yet, and yeah. uh, we've continued to grow them. Well, the, so th- the best ideas always come from sellers, the people that like, you know, out of necessity, um, 
that's where my best ideas have come from. <laughs> um, and, um, but I, I'm not sure if I'm cutting off, you had an idea here, but like, uh, I have a private label business and to criticize it, it's a product business. It's not a brand. And um, we've got good listings, you know, here, there that like, um, some of them are not really connected to each other. And they just have good, you know, they have some, like some, you know, good reviews and decent rankings. Um, how do you initiate the next step where like, you know, it's not just a product business, but more of like a brand business? Yeah, I think that uh, cohesiveness around the products can can start to help there. So once you get to a few, you know, four, five, six SKUs of the same type, there's there's a couple elements to this, right? Like I was talking with a couple of the aggregators and buyers out there that are moving more towards valuing these businesses that they would consider a real brand um, more. So your multiple of your profit that they're willing to pay might go up if they see that you've... Um, built a moat around your product. Do you have any unique designs, IP, any type of, um, you know, custom customization uh, around your products, like something unique uh, that, you know, that all helps. But what we, what we tried to uh, push people towards once they've got a few SKUs that are generating cash flow for them on Amazon, we think that that's where your initial focus should always be. Um, it's the best ROI. Uh, the other stuff doesn't pay dividends until down the road. And it's it's more of a distraction. Um, and it's definitely an investment of time and, and resources that doesn't pay you back right away. But once you get to a point where maybe, uh, and, and even with your first few SKUs, you can learn how to drive outside traffic to Amazon to help with ranking and launches and things like that. That's yeah. all effective. But how you're interacting and how deep you're going and how big of a community you're building and how you're building a community changes once you scale. So what we what we try to teach and what we're we're trying to do with our own brand um, is as we're driving people from outside uh, Amazon, we've got a few different, we, they call them funnels, marketing funnels, and we've got different tops of funnels. So we've got ads we're running on different platforms, Google, uh, Pinterest, Facebook, whatever it is. Then we're bringing those people through the funnel through our own landing pages. So like a, uh, a web-based chatbot like ConvoMat, for example. Uh, and then we're interacting with them and then we're either doing like a prize wheel or we're giving them a discount or we're having them do some kind of action that we would like them to do, uh, but we're saving their information. We've got an, a text message ability built in to where we can text them. We've got the ability to uh, email them uh, as, with follow-ups and things. The other top of funnel is our customers that have already purchased from you that come in through your, your insert cards. So yeah. you put a really nice call to action in your insert card and you bring them in and then they land on your landing page and then you get their information and you know you reward them in some capacity by becoming a part of your product tester club or some kind of TOS compliant uh, promise that you made them, right? Um, so you've got all of these people that you've got. Now, what do you do with them? And then that's the that's the brand building, right? So that's yeah. where you're that's where you're going to be able to build an audience that you're going to be able to leverage um, that can separate you in the future from Amazon-based businesses, Amazon-based yeah. product businesses. Interesting, love it. Yeah, no, it's it that's that's a hard step, you yeah. know. Um, and I think you got like a lot of the right ideas and. I'm saying this because, like, I don't think we, I've implemented this successfully. Because, um, like, you know, I've been an Amazon seller. I started out in wholesale, and then, you know, uh, doing private label. Like, I'm like, okay, I understand Amazon, you know. And so, building these other assets outside 
Um, it's, it's a whole it's, new skill set. It's a whole new yeah. set of resources and, and, and learning. And, and, and it's not, it's not something that a lot of people are, are good at doing. And, um, are so you, scale, are you leading that, people? Like, are you leading your shoppers to outside Amazon track transactions, like to say through Shopify of your products, or are you just leading it all we back? We kind of just keep Shopify up as a uh, place for them to go. So Driving profitable traffic to your own website direct to consumers is very difficult. A lot of times you need a certain number of SKUs and a certain price point in order to create to create enough profit from an average order. So they call it an average order size or average cart size. And then um, a lot of times it's not enough to cover your costs to drive that person, that, that yep. the acquisition cost, right? Yep. Um, but what ends up happening is that um, there is halo effect. So if you're driving traffic to your Shopify store, a certain number of people aren't going to trust your Shopify store, but they're Amazon Prime shoppers. And they're going to go to Amazon and they're going to search for your brand name and the product that they want. Yep. And so what you'll see is that when you're doing your keyword research on your own products, as you, the more ads you run off of Amazon to somewhere else, the, uh, the more your branded search terms become searched. Interesting. So you do have a benefit and it's hard to calculate that, right? Like it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to give an attribution to that as far as an actual dollar amount, but it, it does exist. Yeah. So the, the other part of the branding that I wanted to talk about real quick that I just want to add to it as well is that it, you need a cohesiveness to your design and to your branding. And there's so much you can do with telling your brand story on every single product and uh, in your A plus content, in your, um, in your packaging and in your uh, insert cards. And I think a lot of people fail to uh, to really tie that together. And Amazon's push now is moving towards storefronts and brand branded storefronts. And the more that you take that into consideration in the beginning, like what is our value proposition? What is what do we stand for as a company? Um, those are questions that real brands and real companies answer from the beginning. That a lot of people, when they first start on Amazon, they just find what they think is a profitable product. They source it on Alibaba. They throw it in a box. They might come up with a random brand name and then they throw it on there, right? And that that works and it's still profitable and you can still do that. But these are questions that you need to answer sooner than later. I think that's where you can start from a branding perspective is get a cohesive brand story. Um, make sure that your designs and your A-plus content, that your packaging is all uh, the same color designs, your same schemes. That if someone lands on one product and then on another, they know it's the same brand and they know it's the same product and the same quality, uh, you know, of yeah. product. And so those insert cards, the packaging, the A plus, and then get that storefront up and running as quickly as possible and use stories, use, use some of the tools that they're, that they're giving you yeah. because Amazon's definitely moving in a direction where they want people to start following brands more. Yeah, no, I, I did a, a podcast on uh, storefronts probably about two months ago. I like uh, to criticize, uh, my business, we actually do have a few storefronts and I look at the traffic that they get and it's not zero. You know, I think we've generated about $4,000 a month off of our storefront. Um, and yeah, so, so the hard part is like, how do you make a concerted effort to increase that? And then what is the ROI on that effort? Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's the, that's the missing piece that a lot of people have trouble really connecting because it's, uh, yeah, I know it's a thing and I know I should do it. And I know if I've done it and I just let it sit there, it does something. Yep. But, uh, you know, like, how do I get attribution from it? How how do people find my storefront easier? Um, and so, like, those are questions that you have to start to ask. Now, the hard part is this, like a lot of people starting an Amazon private label business that are starting from zero, they're going to do it themselves. It's going to be them 
and maybe their spouse, maybe a partner, maybe a VA or something. But for the most part, one person is usually doing the heavy lifting. And so you have limited resources from a time perspective. You have time and capital. And so you can't become an expert at literally everything. And the more you scale, like you're going to hit inflection points where you need to start hiring specialists, where you need to start hiring someone to help you with different aspects of that business. And whether they turn to your company or whether they turn to, uh, you know, hiring a VA themselves or, um, you know, at some point, like there's different inflection points in your business as you scale. And typically it's, uh, you know, you go from zero to one to three million dollars basically by yourself. And then you can go from three to ten million dollars with you and a few specialists. And uh, so you have a team of people that still listen to you and are really good at yeah. one thing. Right. Yeah. But then to go to 50 million, which is like where we're scaling to, which is really hard, you need to build a real company. Yeah. And it's listen, I'm interested. I'm, li- I'm listening to scaling up now uh, for the second time. I listened to it before. And it's funny because I listen to scaling up, like uh, traction, uh, you know, measure what matters, all these different management books. And I hired a CEO coach and I'm trying to become good at it. And it's really hard. <laughs> I'm now, not I'm not very good at it. I can tell you hey, that. I've. Um... I have over a hundred employees across my different businesses and boy, like I learned something. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I've been doing something so dumb for so long. Yeah. And I feel um, like I'm, I'm really dumb. Like I feel like I'm really starting in kindergarten with this stuff because like, I've always been of the mindset, you know, like if it takes five minutes to do, just do it right. Do it yourself. And I I think that's fine, but you got to get out of that mindset. And and, and the, the phrase that I heard today, which is such a paradox, which is, when you're first starting out, like when you're in that that second phase and you're hiring, uh, you've got to hire people to, to do things that you're not good at. But once you scale and you want you go to 50 and 100 employees, you have to hire people to do things you are good at. And it's such a paradox. Like it's like what that means is like you need to keep improving. You need to keep getting better at things. And it's like um, so keep always be learning. And uh, and so. It's just an interesting thing that Amazon gives everyone an opportunity, whether you're just an individual stay-at-home mom or a professional looking for a change and you want to test this thing out. Within six to 12 months, you can launch a few products and have a good cash flow coming in and, and yeah. be making money. Yep. I I totally agree. Like I still, you know, love the opportunity. We, me and my brothers were talking about like, oh, if we sold this business, like, what would we do? My brother's like, oh, just launch another one. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So um, there is still a space for people that really, uh, that really know that have done like uh, their homework to like be very educated around this and learn from from our mistakes. So like you said, you did a lot of mistakes your first year. Like I'm, we're still making mistakes. And I mean, Everyone's making mistakes this year in 2021 with oh, yeah. the, the oh, yeah. way that things are turning out. There was we're, no we're, we're very good at Amazon, but we're still not mistake free. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's no way to do 2021 right. No one saw some of the things coming, you know, the logistics, uh, the headaches, and then the quantity limits. Like uh there, there, there's some headwinds. Um, well, uh this is like incredible information, and like I I what I learned about you before, you know, through your seller systems uh, community, uh, I think is, is totally true. Like just a very uh, rock solid, um, like data driven, you know, uh, knowledge base for Amazon sellers. So, I mean, I'm thank you for coming for coming on, Brandon, and talking about, uh, you know, sharing maybe even some of your secrets, but I'm sure we, we didn't cover everything. 
And so if people want to learn more from you, uh, how, how can they uh, reach out? Oh, I appreciate it, Scott. It's, it's been a pleasure to coming on. Um, so I've got a few different uh, products. I've got some master classes for some people who are just want to learn different things like our product research methodology, uh, where we look at the data. I show you how to create that master keyword list, we call it. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a master class that we have. Um, and then uh, we've got uh, our full-blown inner circle mastermind with a thousand members and uh, you know over 300 seven and eight figure sellers interact uh, weekly calls lots of classes very interactive um that's uh that's different but you can just go to seller-systems.com and you can see what we have there that might be right for you um yeah check it out oh that's awesome cool i mean i'll i'll certainly be checking it out i uh do you want me to give your audience a discount i can do that I can let's give... do it yeah <laughs> all right awesome uh i will uh create a code uh, called buy boxer. And, uh, that will give you a mystery discount. You just have yeah. to, <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll, <laughs> I'll put it, I'll put a nice percentage off and, uh, for each product. Awesome. Yeah. That, um, that's very helpful. Thank you. And, um, well, uh, that should, uh, wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you so much, Brandon, for coming on and talking and sharing some of, uh, your knowledge that you've learned. Uh, over the years, some of it hard won knowledge. And uh, that's the stuff that kind of sticks around. Um, to all audience members, you know, you can check them out and use the, the code BuyBoxer. Uh, and that is it for today's episode. And uh, stay tuned for what we have uh, coming up in the future. And, uh, and take care and, and happy selling. One, two, three. Yeah.